Good day everyone, you're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 105, Toys, Glue, and Some Elbow Grease. I'm your host Alex, and today I have the honor to have Tom as my guest on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, how are you Alex? I'm doing good, uh, you know, just catching up on all these episodes, making some more episodes. Uh, I have a busy week ahead of me with all these uh, interviews, but you know what, I'm excited for it, and I'm always glad to talk to a friend. Absolutely. And I'm, you know, I want to congratulate you on hitting the, the 100 milestone. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was all done in a month. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. No, no, no. Could you imagine if I did 100 episodes in a month? I think I'd be more bald than I am already right now. But no, yes, today is not about that. All It's all about you. And before we jump into the topic of today, who is Tom? Oh, who is Tom? That's a very good question. Well, I am... Um... I guess the best way to describe it is a 41-year-old man-child. Um, <laughs> I did convince someone to marry me, and I did. Uh, uh, we were able to have a, a four-year-old boy, which is which is fantastic. And um, I am a civil servant who works for uh, the government of Canada. And you're an awesome person too. You can't forget that. Well, that's very kind of you to say. <laughs> well, yeah, Tom. We, we've I've known Tom for a few years now, and we haven't seen each other for a while. But hopefully, we get to catch up soon. But until then, socially isolated, uh, distancing, drinking, I think. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, what we're going to do is just instead just catch up in this conversation and just see what's happened in our lives, right? (laughs) (laughs) And now before we move on to anything else, do you have any social media links or websites that you'd like to share with people? Um, no, nothing of that sort. I'm generally pretty reserved when it comes to social media. I don't, I don't think I'm that much of an interesting person. Well, you're an interesting person to me, but yeah, you know what? People don't need to know everything, right? They're going to know everything about you in this episode. So yes, today we're going to be talking about, drum roll, collecting toy robots. Well, no, there's a drum roll for that. Why not? And maybe it's a little robot, like a little robot with a little drum. Yeah, why not? It's awesome. So what kind of toy robots do you collect? <sighs> well, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's a twisted and sorted tale, Alex. Um, basically, what this sort of reverts back to my introductory statement. I like transforming robots, any and all sort. I like obviously transformers, um, robots that come from Japan as well. It, it, it's weird. I don't know if I can really define it properly, but some it, it would basically interesting designs, things that can kind of you can fiddle with, um, that you can sort of a mess around with that you can you can change from one mode to another and stuff that spans from like the 1970s up until today really so there's there's it's a bit of a wide net that's awesome and uh, do you actually still own the first customized not customizable the first transforming toy that you ever had uh i do actually i still own it it's uh it was a 1984 Transformers Generation One, which which in wow. the, the Transformer community lingo is you know the first series when they when they first released Transformers, it was a black and purple jet named Skywarp, and I remember that my grandmother bought it for me when I was when we were in Toronto, and I couldn't figure out how the how the heck to to, to change the darn thing, and so I kept asking my uncle, I kept bugging him to transform it for me back and forth. And I still, I mean, it's in a bit, it's, it, it's not in the best of shape, but I did, I did fix it all up and I still do have it. Yeah. That is so cool. So actually, so is that how you got introduced to it? Or did you like see a Transformers show on TV first and like, wow, I want one of those. Well, I mean, I don't actually quite remember how I got introduced to it. My mother said that we were in a mall once 
And there was, I think this was a mall in Toronto and there was a fountain and there were a couple of kids playing by the fountain and they had um, one of these transformer figures. And I just kind of, it, it, it was sort of like one of those lock on hypnotized things. I just kind of staggered over there because I was so enthralled with it. And I just sort of stared there and I guess there was a bit of drool <laughs> too. And from that, sort of the, the love of transformers was born. And I think um, there was a compounding factor to it too, because when I was growing up, I was uh, I was sent to Saturday school every morning, and the the horrible thing about that is that yes, I was you know you know ultimately I really appreciated it. As these things go, it was my final year of Saturday school, and I thought, wow, you know what? I'm actually really happy that I did this, even though for the previous eight years I kept screaming I didn't want to go. <laughs> but the terrible thing about it was that it was basically every Saturday morning from eight thirty a.m. until twelve thirty, and so. I would miss all of the Saturday morning cartoons. Now, I, I, know, I know that that concept doesn't really exist anymore. But at the time when I was a wee lad, every Saturday morning, um, all the various uh, TV stations, and I, I know TV doesn't exist anymore either, but they, used to, um, but they used to play all these Saturday morning cartoons. And I mean, yeah, I know they got cartoons and stuff now, but honestly, the cartoons from the 80s were just amazing. You had things like Transformers, you had G.I. Joe, you had Voltron, you had... Um, Ninja Turtles? Ninja Turtles. No, no, no. This was even before Ninja Turtles. And so you, you could spend your entire... like the I think the, the stereotypical image is of kids waking up at 6 a.m., grabbing a bowl of Fruit Loops and sitting in front of the TV <laughs> while their parents like slept. And that, that was basically what Saturday mornings were in the 80s. Unfortunately, I had to go to school. And so when I would get to my classes on Monday morning, all my friends would be like, wow, did you see how like that Transformer oh, no. kicked G.I. Joe's ass and stuff? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I didn't. And so, you know, uh, there's probably a couple of years of uh, psychotherapy right there for me. But I think it, it also unfortunately stunted my own uh, maturity development. But now I'm sure like you have like this awesome collection and there's, you know what, nowadays people have hobbies of every type of like cool things they collect. Like, and it's not childish. I, I have a collection of stuff as well. Like I'm collecting little pop figures. You gave me, uh, I wouldn't say a statue, <laughs> but like I'm a miniature of Saitama from One Punch Man, which I have right up in front of me right now. Cause you know, I like One Punch Man cause he's bald, I'm bald. Well, that's another topic, but uh, I really gr appreciate that. I used to collect Transformers as well as a kid. And uh, actually speaking of which, when I was a kid for myself, it was sometimes difficult to try to figure out some transformations. Like I can take it apart and turn it into a robot, but putting it back in its original form was sometimes a challenge for me. Did that ever happen to you? Oh yeah. Um, it still does. I mean, back, back when I first was a kid, um, the figures that they had, and I mean, most of these figures were brought over from Japan, number one. And it was interesting because the, the history of Transformers was that Japan is kind of like light years ahead of America when it comes to things like robots and sci-fi and anime, as you as you probably know. And so, even at the time, they had created these um, these transforming toys, which were with diecast metal and plastic. They were these various uh, sort of lines and series. Like you know, they had one line which were these little these these sort of realistic looking cars that were piloted by these little like spacemen figures. It was called Diaclone. And then there was another line of uh, robots that could turn into everyday items like tape recorders. You know, I mean, God, I'm, I'm dating myself even now. What's tape? <laughs> Binoculars, uh, camera, guns. I mean, kids used to play with guns all the time that actually fired and stuff. And so some enterprising Americans 
went over to Japan, saw these toys, thought, wow, these would make a really great toy line in, in America, brought them over, uh, hired some guy to give them names like Optimus Prime and Megatron and come up with a backstory for them, merged the lines together and created a cartoon, which was basically a 30-minute commercial. And then, boom, you've now got a franchise that's, um, gosh, almost 40 years old uh, that just keeps going. Um, and I mean, you know, the Transformers movies that Michael Bay released, um, all five of those, I think near the end of it, they were each reaching over a billion dollars um, and huge hits in China and whatnot. I mean, some people uh, debate the merits of the stories and whatnot. Uh, there are lots of explosions and scantily clad women and stuff in there too, but the, the movies made a ton of money. And so it shows that there is still, you know, this gigantic, this juggernaut of a franchise which stemmed from basically, um, you know, some guys taking these obscure like Japanese robots, mushing them together, and then um, you know creating a backstory for them. So it's it's interesting how these things go. But to get to get back to your your question, so when they first started these ro- um, when they first started this line of Transformers, the robots were pretty simple. You know, you would basically flip the legs up, you you know squeeze the arms together, and pop the head down, and then you had a truck. And so it, it was pretty easy for kids to be able to, to change them. And then I think what Hasbro, which is the company that owns the franchise, discovered is that these kids turn into teenagers and turn into adults and kept on buying them. And so with that, they kept making them more and more complex. Now, of course, there are still kid lines available, but there are a lot of Transformers out now um, that are more geared towards adult collectors. And I mean some of the transformation schemes they're like rubik's cubes and so <laughs> it's kind of fun in that respect because it's almost like a like a like a like a game like a brain teaser in a way um it's you know you can sit there for a solid 20 minutes trying to figure out how the hell you smush this robot down into like you know a silver porsche or something so yes it happens quite a lot and you know i routinely have to look at the instructions to figure out how to change them I could feel like sometimes, I don't know for you, but for me sometimes uh, when I put it back into, let's say, the little car, I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to look at the instructions. I'm going to challenge myself. I can do it. I remember how it's done. And then I always end up looking at the instructions. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, again, I don't see I'm, – I'm one of those people who's kind of pragmatic about it. I know there are some others in in the community who uh, refuse to use instructions <laughs> and uh, you know they like to challenge themselves with that sort of thing. But it's just like me with Rubik's Cubes. I have to Google to figure out how to solve them. But – I find that the the changing process, like fiddling with it while, you know, while you're watching TV or while you're doing something else is it's kind of relaxing in a way. So that might be part of the reason why I like them so much. And speaking about all of them, you talked about Transformers themselves as a series are what are the other types of transforming toys that you do have? Let's see here. Well, there are I mean, around the same time, there was a TV show that aired in uh, North America called Robotech, which was, again, very similar in its origin. Uh, this American went over to Japan, took three separate anime series with their toy lines and kind of just mooshed them all together to create uh, one large um, television show. And so the basic conceit behind that show involved airplanes, really realistic looking airplanes, ones that looked like they were F-14 Tomcats turning into robots, and then tanks turning into robots, and motorcycles turning into robots. So there's a bit of that. There's another series from Japan called Gundam, G-U-N-D-A-M, and it's primarily known for model building. They've got thousands of plastic model kits out there that that are designed so that you can put them together. And then they also have like regular figures as well. 
and those often transform. Um, apart from that, there are there is a sort of a series of uh, toys from Japan again called the Chogokin, and what that means basically is like super metal, and these are basically like super robots. Like, are you familiar with Voltron? Yes, I am. That's what Voltron originally was. Um, and then there were a bunch of other sort of Voltron-esque robots that were designed uh, as well. And so they released a bunch of those and I, I've, I've got a couple of those as well. So just sort of kind of all over the place. But I would say that if there was one focus on on what I collect, it would, it would be the Transformers. And speaking of which, how big is your current collection? Uh, that is a good question. Um, I've never really counted. I, with the Transformers, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, there is something called G1, which is Generation One, which is which refers to the original released uh, Transformers figures from basically 1980, 1982, 1983 to, I don't know, 1988, 89 or 90. And so I've got a pretty sizable collection of that. It's almost a complete collection up until uh, around near the end when Transformers kind of diverged wildly from its core mandate and started selling figures of Transformers that didn't actually transform, but that that's a whole other can of beans. <laughs> And so I've got I've got quite a few there, and uh, that's probably the main component of my collection. These are all like original vintage toys that that I sort of had to work to find and scrounge about and 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 um, and whatnot. And then I've got a bunch of the the more modern stuff as well. But to put a number to it, I don't think I could. Um, I mean, I know that there are people who have way 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 more than I do. And to be truthful, I've sold off a lot of them as well because I find that. Um, the way these things work is very cyclical. Like the company will, for example, in 2001, release a toy of a, of a figure that, you know, you you remember since 1984 and you're like, oh, this is cool. This is an updated version of this figure. And then about five years later, they'll release another updated version, which is even better. Oh. And so then you're like, okay, well, I don't need this older figure anymore. <laughs> and so then you sell it off to like, to fuel your hobby. It's this horrific cycle of the snake eating its own tail. So um, I've had... I've had uh, more figures, but I've like I've actually sold them off just to like like I said, feed the hobby a little bit. Could you just imagine by let's say you say every five years they just make a better and be better version? Could you just imagine let's say I don't know 20, 30, 40 years from now they make a version that's actually life size where you can actually go and operate inside? <laughs> You're joking about that, but Japan, for example, they have they've actually created one of these. Well, they're, no, they're in the works of creating this life size Gundam robot. And um, they had one that was out for display in an area of Tokyo called Odaiba. And what this one did was the head moved back, like sort of, you know, from side to side and up and down. And then smoke came out of various events and whatnot. And now their next phase is to actually make a robot, a life-size one again, that actually walks and can like articulate and move. And I think they're they're working to have that released by 2023 or something. Wow. So, you know, you're coming to that. And then... In the in the Transformers, when it comes to the toys and whatnot, back in 1987-1988, I think around that time, they released what at the time was the largest transform Transformer ever, which was called Fortress Maximus, and it was this robot which was two feet tall, and that was the big selling point. So now, uh, since that time, they've actually released bigger robots, but 
a third party company. So, okay, this is how popular Transformers have become. It's not just Hasbro, the the owner of the the copyright, who makes these toys anymore. There are a, a bunch of engineers, toy toy makers who are primarily based out of China, who've come together and made their own companies, and they sell their own designed transforming figures, which are pretty obviously like IP infringements, but <laughs> generally these figures, the engineering that goes into them is, is outstanding and it's, it's kind of mind boggling. And so this, they call this sort of like a third party market. And so what they'll do, for example, is like, let's say you've got a figure, like let's say, let's say you've got Optimus Prime. Okay. Everyone knows what Optimus Prime is. He turns into this red truck. And what the, these third party companies will do is they'll go out and they'll make like this collector's edition, super complicated, ultra high detailed figure. And they'll call them like, I don't know, Zogdimus Bime or something. <laughs> and um, they'll sell they'll sell them generally online and people will buy them because, because they don't have to deal with licensing issues. They often are, and because, you know, they can, I guess, negotiate better with the, with factories uh, in China or what, or, or the like, they often sell them for cheaper than the official product. And a lot of people will buy these. Um, so anyway, where I'm going with this is that one of these third-party companies has now decided to do their own take on a Fortress Maximus. And instead of two feet tall, I think it's actually going to be something like two or three meters tall. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Um, and I mean, when they first made this announcement, I mean, everyone thought it was it was like an April Fool's joke or something, but it looks like they're serious. So, I mean, I'm tempted. I think my wife would murder me if I bought something that would... <laughs> you know, larger than me as a robot. I don't even know where I'd put the damn thing, but um, it just kind of goes to show you that that might actually happen in about 10 years. That's crazy. And imagine it's just like, you put it on your roof. That's where you want to put it. <laughs> <laughs> and actually speaking about like all these uh, Transformers and transforming robots coming out, have you ever considered in the back of your mind creating your own? And if so, what would it transform into or from? Yeah, you know, I don't think I'm creative enough for that. What's interesting is that you have comic book series, uh, Transformers comic books have been around for quite a while and they've recently seen a resurgence. And some of the artists for these comic books, like what they do is they actually design the robot, they design the like sort of the vehicle mode, and then they figure out how they transform. And I know that uh, Hasbro has actually made figures from these designs. Now, I don't have the ability to be able to do something like that. And so unfortunately, no, I've never really, I've never really thought about creating my own, but I appreciate the energy, the creativity and the imagination that goes into a lot of these figures. Like some of these things, I don't even know how they came up with some of this stuff, right? Like you look at, you look at this one toy, it looks like, it looks like a real, you know, Lamborghini. And then it turns into a robot that looks completely different. And then the way they do this is through panels that fold and collapse in on each other. And, um, you know, sometimes you've got very, very minimal clearance between uh, one part and another part. And just the engineering that goes into that sort of thing is, is just mind boggling. Man, and they probably have a, such an amazing team that like constantly works. I pr I'm sure they work really hard at it, just coming up with new designs. And how often do you do get a new Transformer? Well, you know, if I bought every single product that was out there, I would rapidly go broke. So I have to be careful about the ones that I buy. Um, generally, I 
if, if the design really catches my eye and if I find it really interesting or if it's a character that I have fond memories of, like, you know, they kind of trigger those nostalgia buttons, then I'll buy it. But how many do I get? Like it, a lot of it depends on how you get them because sometimes you can find things in stores. Sometimes it's a competition to get to stores because if you're part of a Facebook group or if you're part of like a, a bulletin board, like people are really, really intense about this sort of thing. You can, someone will post something and say, hey, guess what? I saw something at this Walmart here in Ottawa. And within 10 minutes, it'll be gone because someone else will have like motored out there to go grab it. Likewise online, if there's a really high demand product that's coming out, they can sell it very, very quickly. And this is especially true for Japanese stuff. So there is um, the Japanese toy companies. They, they, I think it's it's once a month and it's like, like near the end of the month, Thursday at 4 a.m. Uh, Canadian time, 4 p.m. Japanese time, or maybe it's Tuesday. I can't recall which. And that's when all of these websites on like in Japan will will open up their um their 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 products for pre-order that they've you know they've been kind of announcing because like you'll see a new like okay let's say there's a new um Robotech Macross figure that's coming out that everyone really really wants so they'll start sort of showing preview pictures of this about a month or two in advance uh everyone will get really really excited and then they'll open up these pre-order times with um a number of the various online retailers and so these retailers will ship to all over the globe. And so you'll have people from all over the world staying up until 4 a.m., including from Japan, who, will, you know, I mean, obviously the Japanese will be 4 p.m. there and they'll be by their computers. And so as soon as these pre-orders open up, what happens is all of these websites crash. Everyone's desperately trying to order one of these, these toys and they literally sell out within like less than a minute. Oh my goodness. Uh, it's it's kind of a running joke in the collector's community now. If there's a hot item and you want to get it, it's almost like a lottery. And then what happens afterwards is if you if you have a lot of money, then you can purchase it from a reseller, like you know, just like ticket scalping, basically. And there's this raging debate about whether or not is this the company purposely trying to inflate demand by keeping supply low? Do they actually not want to make that much? Like they're not really sure. You know, no one really has a clear answer, but. Whatever the case, the community is hardcore and the community is intense. And so if you are trying to find um, a particular thing, especially if it's new, it's going to, it can be tough and you have to, you have to kind of like, you know, camp out on your favorite website and mash the the enter button as quickly as you can and then pray that you're able to get it uh, checked out. So again, going back to, to your question, it depends on how often I get a new one, um, you know, if budget allows if I can find it for a reasonable price, because there's certain times where, you know, you can find what you want, but you don't want to pay like $500 for something that originally cost 50 bucks. And um, yeah, it, it's just, it's a matter of availability, the right price and whether or not I've got the money to buy it. And I'm sure you saved up your pretty penny for one specific one. Is there like actually one that you're like, oh, I wish I had that one, but it just keeps getting away and I can't find it? I'm fortunate enough that I've been able to... Um, have a, a good enough career that I'm able to get those those items that that I you know had an eye on. Like certainly, there have been times where I've wanted something and it was just way too expensive, and I I was like, damn it, this is this is a grail. And so one one figure in particular, I would say, I, I waited about ten years, and then finally they re-released it, and I was able to pick up the re-release for wow. it. So that was uh, that was really nice. 
And again, it, it, it's not so much about it not being available to buy. It's just the prices just get ridiculous. So at this point, I'd say that of all of the figures that I have or that I would really desperately want, I've pretty much been able to get most of the ones that I, you know, my grails basically. And I'm sure they're not all just hanging out on the floor. I'm sure you have them somewhat organized. When you did have them organized, how would you organize your figurines? A collector mainstay is is a, a glass a glass display cabinet that you can buy from Ikea for 50 bucks called the Detolf, D-E-T-O-L-F. And so most people who collect, I think, have at least a couple of these things um, in their in their houses. And so I think I have something like eight Detolfs now. And in those, I just sort of organize them by series or by year. Again, there's another apparent raging debate in the community about whether or not it's better to to pose your figures just standing still and looking out or put them into various action shots and scenes and whatnot. I lean more towards just posing them and standing still because that leaves more room to be able to fit them into your into your display cabinet. But, you know, your mileage may vary. But um, that's generally how I do it, yeah. And also these figurines, they look like they're made out of metal, but I'm, I would imagine some of them are pretty fragile if you were to drop them. Have you ever dropped one and like it broke in a way that you couldn't fix it? And well, I say fix it, like just pop it back in. And have you fixed it with glue or stuff like that? My my son has 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 broken a few uh, <laughs> unintentionally. And sometimes you can fix them, sometimes you can't. I, I mean, I one of the things that I really like doing as well is repairing these older toys. And so... You know, for example, some of these older Transformer figures would have electronics in them and you would buy them, you know, let's say you get them off of eBay. The description says that the electronics no longer work anymore. So they don't kind of like, you know, roll around on their tank treads. And so I do really enjoy kind of opening them up, cleaning them out, um, trying to fix what I can where I can, and then putting them all back together. Part of the the fun of it is to, you know, you buy one figure that's in pretty good shape, but has a broken leg. and then buying another figure that's in, you know, horrific shape, but has a really good leg and then sort of, you know, swapping the parts together and putting them together. Now, again, this, for some purists out there, there are various versions of these G1 transformers that have been made. Uh, Sometimes factories, when they're making them, would introduce these running changes so that you would see a different trademark stamp on them. Uh, You'd see, you know, some, some parts that are differently colored. And uh, I think, some people would be horrified by me by hearing me say that I Frankenstein some of my <laughs> figures together, but I try to do it with figures that are of the same version. So if they have the same type of trademark stamp on them and they're from the same kind of wave of release, then I'll try to keep them within that same that same line when I repair them uh, where possible. But it's fun. It's neat. It's it it's taking something that's been broken and with a little bit of uh, careful unscrewing and uh, detaching and reattaching and reassembling, uh, making something new out of it. That is so cool. That's a little bit of that elbow grease I was talking about at the beginning. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and there's like a lot of YouTube videos out there right now, like people are taking like some old Game Boys or old consoles and they're just opening them up, replacing them with different parts and just, when I say different parts, from other pieces of consoles and just to make a new one. Like you're saying, you take two transformers one with a broken arm one with a broken leg and you just try to frankenstein but a beautiful frankenstein yeah pretty much and uh for you what would you say is the best part about collecting toy robots on a personal and emotional level (laughs) 
Well, you know, it, it it's funny. I, I I felt a lot of kind of um, embarrassment about this in, uh, for a while, and I haven't really told too too many people about the fact that I collect this. Um, you know, I see other people collect art. I see people collect sculptures. I see people collect these various um, more traditional items, and I kind of think it. I thought to myself, I'm like, wow, gosh, maybe uh, maybe I should start looking into that and whatnot, but. You know, there are a few times where I've tried to actually stop collecting because I just, I thought, you know, it's time to grow out of this and whatnot. But I got to tell you, there's just something about them that really uh, tickles my fancy. And it's fun. It's neat. You look at these, you look at these robots, you look at these collector, collectible figurines, you look at these figures, and it kind of fires your imagination. Um, I guess similar to in a way that, you know, someone looking at a painting would do, except in my weird case it's 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 with with robots and science fiction um but it kind of in, it inspires you a little bit it it makes you think about things apart from mortgage payments and car payments and you know work and overtime and whatnot and there's just something a bit relaxing about it i suppose is the best way to put it and so you know i kind of look at it and i think well you know as far as hobbies go it's better than having like a coke addiction or something so <laughs> at least at least there's that and that's kind of my rationale for it and yeah i admit it's kind of unorthodox and it does it is a bit infantile and i i wonder you know right now my kid loves it and he thinks it's amazing but how will he feel about it when he's 16 years old he's going to be like oh my god what what the hell's my dad doing such a loser but we'll see what happens I appreciate anyone who collects anything, even if I don't particularly have an interest in it. Um, you know, for example, my wife loves little food replicas, like fake food, but in smaller forms. And she goes gaga over it. And I don't understand it, but I, I respect it and I try to encourage it. Likewise, I don't think she really understands my my own <laughs> hobby, but but she's uh but she but she, you know, she she respects it as well. I think it just comes down to the fact that beauty or art or creativity or imagination can be found in pretty much anything. And um, in my case, this is this is kind of what fires off my imagination and, and what the hobby that I've that uh, in some ways, I almost feel like I haven't had a, it chose me instead of me choosing it. Uh, it's funny. But yeah, I don't know if that's answered your question. That's pretty rambling. No, no, no. That's a perfect answer. And, and you know what? I definitely agree with you that it's you do it for yourself. You don't need to do it for anybody else. And, you know, I've been through that phase like, oh, I guess I have to like this thing. But then at the end of the day, I'm like, you know what? No, I don't like that. I like this instead. And you know what? Thank goodness that internet is around because I can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like ever since that came around, people are more opening, more accepting to different things. And this is just becoming more of a norm, like collecting transformers or doing a podcast about hobbies. That's normal stuff. Yeah. yeah well, you know, it, it, the internet, I mean, for all the faults that it that it has, I think it's also sort of shown people that what you consider might be weird and, you know, you feel like you're the only one who might be doing this sort of thing. That's not the case. Uh, there are communities that exist out there that you wouldn't really have known about before. And um, I think you're right. It has allowed stuff like this to become a bit more acceptable and more mainstream. But again, going back to what you were saying, you're right. I don't really do this to show off. I, I know some people, uh, some people who collect uh, do very much like to, to display it. And, and um, what's the best way to describe this? To show their collections off, and I mean that's fantastic. Like you, like that, more power to you. But in my case, I don't really like doing that. I just, I kind of like to keep it for myself. And you know, I have a little room which has everything in there. And sometimes I'll just go in there and and sit there and you know look at what I've got and look at the various various uh, figures. And 
um, just let my imagination go wild. And it's, it's very kind of, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a nice relaxing thing to do. So yeah. So for people listening, I did see his collection. Yeah, I was I was honored he showed it to me. I was so happy. Not it honored was, my ass. It was on. so cool. Like I went up there and I'm like, whoa, that is so cool. And he had he had so many different things. It was cool. But he didn't he didn't show it. Like he said, he didn't have to show it, but he's like, you know, Alex, come check this out. I'm like, all right, cool. And I watched and I'm like, whoa, cool. That is so dope. Like, I wish I like kept my Transformers when I was a kid and all that and displayed it like you did. Now I have like a, a little show. No, 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 no. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I was an idiot. I sold off things for like a quarter and whatnot that ended up being worth like 80 bucks. And so I had to go back and try to <laughs> try to find all of those figures again. Actually, speaking of which, have you ever, because you're saying you just sold for a quarter and I would imagine some of these times would be like a garage sales. Have you ever found any robot toys at garage sales they're like wow this is cool i want it or wow this is worth a lot of money or stuff like that not really anymore because i i find i you know some people I, i've heard of stories in this in the united states where uh people will go to some garage sale and you know uh some lady will empty out her her like the boxes from her attic that have been sitting there for like 40 years and there'll be some you know figures that are still brand new in their box and she's selling them for five bucks a piece or something but i've never had that experience i've never had that luck I've often found that garage sales, it's more about the contemporary stuff. So toys from like from the last 10 years or so, which they're still okay, but they're not really, you know, those sort of vintage valuable, like, oh my God, holy crap. I can't believe I got this, you know, $500 figure for 10 bucks. Um, so no, that's never happened to me, but I know for a fact that it's happened to a bunch of people because I sold off all of my, <laughs> <laughs> all of my toys when I was like 13 for, uh, you know, they're, they're, they were worth, they're probably worth about 200% what I sold them for right now. Oh, but no. <laughs> if you had a time machine, right, you go back in time and buy Apple stock or something. Well, you're in luck. This is a podcast called Time for Your Time Machine. No, no longer time for your hobby. So we'll, we'll, oh, really? yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, we'll go back in time and go get it. <laughs> and speaking about going back in time, what was your biggest challenge when you first started collecting toy robots? I guess it was the acceptance thing. I was born and living before the internet happened. And I remember, especially during my teen years where, you know, I'd grab a toy and I'd think, wait, should I really be buying this? This is, isn't this time to like to put this sort of stuff away? And then I'd put it away for a little bit and then I'd see it again. And I'd be like, oh, it's so cool. <laughs> like, blah, blah, blah. And I think it was just coming to grips with, with accepting the hobby. I mean, even today, I don't think I'm, I'm completely accepting of it. I think, you know, gosh, maybe I should have put the money I've spent into this on into, into stocks instead or or whatnot. And so there's always a bit of that, that back and forth as to, is this a legitimate thing? Is this something that I should be doing? Is this something to be proud of? Is it something infantile, delayed childhood, uh, you know, man child and whatnot. And I think that that's something that I've, I've struggled with a lot, but as with all things, I find that with age, you just stop caring so much about things uh, with every year. And so, you know, this floats my boat. It's better than, you know, doing heroin or something. And um, <laughs> everyone needs a hobby, right? So this is mine. I love how you just keep going back to like different drugs. It's like, yeah, you know, <laughs> got cocaine, heroin. <laughs> Don't do drugs, kids. That's that's the message here. I mean, I, I can switch it up like having like a prostitute hobby or something. Oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> that's it. Don't, don't, okay. Uh, you know what? This is, I don't even know how to do a segue is from this that. Is podcast? Yeah, I guess so. Now it is. But, uh, this is when things get a little blue, Alex. Yeah, this is when the podcast gets that NSFW right, uh, rating on it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I completely agree with you. Absolutely. It's, you know, you always go back thinking, oh, I should have done this, done this. But at the end of the day, you're like, you know what? Just do what makes you happy. And in this moment, 
it's uh, uh, collecting toy robots for me. It's talking to people about their hobbies. And, you know, I'm like thinking, oh, well, I could have done a podcast about entrepreneurs and interviewing celebrities or stuff like that. I'm like, no, I just want to talk to everyday people, whether it makes no money or some money. It's just the conversation like we're having right now. And I regret nothing. Nice. And now what is your current biggest challenge? I think finding the space to to display all my stuff, to be honest with you, um, that would probably because because a bunch of my stuff is are still in bins, kind of tucked away and whatnot. And so just being able to figure out a way to properly showcase it all. But I don't think unless I win the lottery and buy a mega mansion in Rockcliffe, I would be able to properly do that. So yeah, it's, it's a challenge, but it's not it's not a life shattering one. So you're telling me you're not going to be getting that three meter tall toy? Uh, likely not. I think, <laughs> um, I, 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 th- I think I have other priorities I need to focus on besides that. But it, I will certainly appreciate anyone who does buy it. And I would love to come over and take a look at it. You know, it'd be cool if you, let's say you do end up getting it. You put like Alexa or uh, OK Google into it. And it's just like, when you just <laughs> talk to it and it responds to it. That'd be cool. It lights up with the eyes. I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> Oh dear. Yeah, you know what? That might be a very good idea, actually. I'll have to look into that. <laughs> and uh, has collecting toy robots ever stressed you out? Yeah. I mean, again, for the same reasons I, I went into a bit before, um, primarily, you know, should I be spending my money on other things? Should I be spending my money on things that are more worthwhile? Is this a legitimate hobby? Is this something that, you know, I can look back on and say I have no regrets on? So, I mean, those questions, of course, have always caused some stress, I guess, you know, coming, coming and going as, as these things do. But again, it's the, the, as the years go by, I just don't think about them as much anymore. And I just, you know, do what I enjoy. So within limits, I think, you know, as long as I'm not going overboard and crazy with the sort of thing um, and not living in a van or something while still collecting all these stuff, uh, all these figures, then uh, it, it's, uh, it's justifiable. No, that's completely fair. And now for the probably the most important question on I ask on every single episode, but for in their respected hobby, but uh, what are some? Yes, myth- Alex, you're awesome. I know <laughs> That's, that wasn't even a question. It's a statement, Alex. Yes, I am awesome. <laughs> no, you're awesome, Alex. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, so yeah, the question is, what are some misconceptions about people who collect toy robots? I mean, there are a whole bunch. People who live in their mom's basement, people who haven't had success in their life, people who are socially awkward or socially inept, people who, you know, all all those stereotypes of nerds, you know, the typical stereotypes of the Star Wars nerd or the Star Trek nerd. But it's really funny, though, because when I was, I remember when I was in grade seven and eight, liking Star Wars was not cool. Like people, like, like you got your ass kicked for that sort of thing. And now... You get your ass kicked for not liking it. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, so it's, it's funny how these things go. Um, you know, like liking superheroes and, and Marvel comics and Marvel movies and stuff. Like people would look at you like, what the hell's wrong with you? Like it, it was that whole Simpsons like, ew, nerd thing. And now it's it's mainstream. So, you know, I, I think with that, like you said, there's more more acceptance now. Of what, what we, I guess, can be considered kind of like alternate nerd hobbies. And yeah, so I think there were misconceptions. I think uh, as the years go by um, and more, and these things become more mainstream, those misconceptions sort of fall by the wayside. What, what, what my, my point is, like with not just these these transformer toys, but with other toys like figurines and collectibles, like there is a an ultra high end market where they make, you know, with Star Wars, with primarily Star Wars, with with Transformers, well, well pretty much with with a lot of other things, like we're you have these 
collectibles, these figures or these statues uh, or super detailed figures or life-size figures, that's all for like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And someone's buying these because they sell out. So that millionaire you might know might have a room in his basement full of like life-size Darth Vader suits and mannequins or like, you know, a life-size DeLorean or something. So yeah, I, I think I think there are a lot more people who do this than than people realize, but I think it's also becoming more and more public now. I saw one in Ottawa. A guy was driving it and he even had the hoverboard inside in the passenger seat. That's amazing. That's cool. So that's not in his basement. He's just out there driving it and enjoying his time. I wish I saw it again. I wish I had a better picture of it because it was so cool. Because I was driving with my <laughs> mom and I'm I'm like, oh, mom, mom, that's the DeLorean. She's like, what's the DeLorean? I'm like, back to the <laughs> future. Yeah, I had to explain it to her. But she's like, oh. That's nice. <laughs> but uh, yeah, different time, different uh, things. But yes, uh, another question I have for you is, uh, it's also pretty tough, but it's also very important. What has collecting toy robots taught you in life? That's a good question, actually. I, I, would, say, I would say not to sweat the small stuff. And by that, I mean, there's a bit of OCD that can be involved in, in, collecting, in collecting these things, especially the vintage ones, because... You can go down this horrible, horrible rabbit hole of trying to find a figure and find like every little, because, okay, these older figures, they used to come with like five shooting missiles and, you know, a couple of guns and all these accessories. And when, especially with the vintage toys, you can buy the, like the core figure itself, usually for not that much. It's finding all of the accessories that can cost money. And so, for example, there's this one transformer, um, he turns into this army Jeep. And the figure itself is not that expensive. There was a little tiny, like the size of your thumbnail gas canister tank that came with that, that I guess everyone lost and is super rare. And that thing can go for like 80 bucks on eBay. Wow. So yeah. So the challenge is, I know the thing that I've learned is that, you know, they're, they're, you, you have to be content at a certain point to just sort of say, let it go because you can, you can spend way, way too much money trying to make sure that like the figure with its part is the exact one that was released at that exact time that the parts all match exactly to that particular release. And um, that could put you into a lunatic asylum, I think. So I think what I've learned is that, you know, you don't have to seek 100% perfection um, and to be satisfied with what you have. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you build on your collection and then you just make it your own. Actually, another random question that popped in, pop up, sorry, popped up in my head was... Uh, so today, there's more and more fake knockoff versions of a product, whether it's clothing, toys, consoles, anything like that. And I'm, they become more and more efficient on how they can just like replicate like image for image. Have you become a lot better at recognizing knockoffs or like fakes or they're just like they're identical and you're like, right, cool, I'll keep it. I would say yes, I've, I've actually become pretty good at identifying the knockoffs and the fakes. A lot of the time, it comes down to the trademark uh, stamping on the figure. Even with even the knockoffs, they won't replicate the trademark stamping most of the time. So there's that. There are also a couple of other tells, like where a part on the original would be metal. It's now plastic. The parts might not be painted the same. And you know, the the nice thing about the fandom is that there are people who've kind of gone down that rabbit hole and they've developed these giant like these websites with these massive databases with tons of pictures outlining, you know, what is an authentic figure, what is a fake one. Um, and those have been incredibly valuable resources too. But that's good that the community is like there looking out for each other, just trying to help each other out and uh, just being very informative. 
And speaking of which, do you have any like websites that you would recommend people to go check out, whether it's to buy some uh, figurines, some toy robots, or even just learn more about do what to do, what not to do when buying a fake and a real one? Oh, gosh. I would say, like, I mean, one of the, there is a website called tfu.info. And that is basically like a comprehensive database of pretty much every single Transformers toy and its variants that's been released since the 1980s. That's a fantastic uh, resource to look for, especially if you're into the the actual toy aspect of it. Uh, apart from that, Google. Like, I mean, there, there are quite a few Transformers websites out. The Canadian one is called Cybertron.ca. That one, you know, people will be selling stuff there. They'll post want ads. They'll also talk about figures that they found in the stores and where to find things. It's very ubiquitous. There are a lot of these sites out there. And so a lot of it really depends on what you're looking for and what type of community you want to be involved with. So I would just say, you know, Google is your friend with this. Perfect. I'll put that information in the description below so people can go check that out. I'll put Google in the description below for people who don't know what Google is at this point. Uh, You know, just Google Google and you'll find out what Google is. Uh, So yes, and one other question I wanted to ask you as well is, do you have any word of advice for anybody who might be interested in this hobby? Yeah, I would say set out a budget because you can blow it really quickly. Um, I would also say hunt. Don't just go on eBay and find the first one you see and, and buy it because usually you're going to be paying too much money for that sort of thing. You can hunt around. You can look on websites like Kijiji. Uh, Kijiji is a fantastic resource to find uh, older figures like this. You can look on the Facebook Marketplace group. Um, you can join communities online that that sell stuff like this, for example, because I'm not alone in selling off older parts of my collection while I update to new ones. On eBay, which is you know usually what people's first go to is when it comes to this sort of thing, you have dedicated sellers who sell off who sell off these old parts and they sell things like that gas tank, but they'll sell you that little gas tank for eighty bucks. And so I'm pretty certain that with a bit of time and patience and kind of, you know, hunting through the web, you'll be able to find one for cheaper. So that would probably be my my main piece of advice. I would also say, don't be too quick to buy right, right off the bat. Look at pictures, try to see, you know, ask if there are any broken pieces on the figure. If you think you can repair a figure, try to see if, if it is repairable first, because sometimes they they can't be repaired in, in a certain way. So uh, I've made that mistake where I've bought a figure and I thought I could repair it and I couldn't. And uh, it was ultimately just junk. And so I wasted money on it. Patience and hunting, I think, are probably the two key points of advice I would give. And also check your source. Make sure you're buying from somebody who's credible and not scamming you. <laughs> well, you, and, and I mean, this holds true for everything. Usually if a deal is too good to be true, it usually is. Except for being a guest on this podcast. That is a sure deal. <laughs> this is a fantastic deal. Thank you, Alex. It's free. <laughs> <laughs> and for the last question, do you have any questions for me about collecting toy robots? Oh, let me see. Um, what's your favorite Transformer? Uh, so growing up, I didn't go through the actual transformer, like the car phase, but I was in love with beast wars. Nice. Yeah. I loved, and I had the Optimus prime was the gorilla, I believe. And, uh, but my favorite was the cheetah, which I forgot the name, but I just loved Cheetor. it. Cheetor. That was it. Cheetor. But I just loved it. It was just, it was a silly show. It was just, they're like just two groups and they just keep attack, attacking each other every week. That's it. <laughs> 
You know what? I I would suggest you go back and rewatch that show because it actually was it was something that helped reignite my interest in in Transformers again. There were a few years where I hadn't hadn't collected or done anything with it, and then I watched this show and I was like, oh my god, this show is amazing. <laughs> so um, if you go back and you watch it, it's actually got a pretty compelling storyline, and the characters are actually pretty well done, and it's still held up today as probably one of the best animated Transformers shows that have ever been made. Are you talking about the original one or the one where they're like in the future? Because I know they made like a sequel where they're like futuristic. Well, that one's not so great. But the Beast Wars is the one where the Beast Wars is the one that's like pretty much highly regarded by the entire fandom. And um, I've actually got a complete collection of the Beast Wars figures too. Oh, that's awesome, man! I'm having the actual theme song playing in my head right now. <laughs> Beast you know, Wars. Once the social isolation is done, uh, I'll, 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 I'll give you my bin, and you can you know rummage around with it. Oh no, no, I don't want to take it from you. I just want to look at it. Of course, I'd love to look at it. Oh man. Oh, no, that's, that's nostalgia. <laughs> so uh, there you have it. Another body with a hobby. Thank you so much, Tom, for just coming on and just, you know, bringing my inner youth out and bring your inner youth out and bring our inner adult out and just enjoying this <laughs> hobby. It's like, I'm just picturing it as a, like in my mind, like my old collection is just, it's awesome. But yes, if you guys want to learn more about actual collecting toy robots, I'll put all the links Tom mentioned below so you can go check that out. And if you'd like to be on my podcast or have any questions at all, you could send me an email at timeforyourhobby at gmail.com. And of course, if you like the podcast, leave a review. Reviews are always good. And I'm also selling merchandise on Redbubble or yeah, it's Redbubble where it's my logo on shirts, coffee mugs, shower curtains, literally anything that you don't need. It's on there. And if you like the podcast and also want to show some more support, I have a Patreon, you know, I can support there. If you don't, that's cool. I'll still podcast. Doesn't matter. And so once again, thank you so much, Tom. Thank you, Alex. So until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care. (laughs) Bye.